Hi, I'm Naomi Castro, and this is The Castro Pod. This season, I talk with college presidents and nonprofit leaders, all involved with big stuff. I want to figure out how they do it. Do what? It. The thing. The big, substantial stuff. Come on in and sit with us. Visit a while. Last summer, I talked with then-president Marvin Martinez of East Los Angeles College. We talked about the changing role of the college president and Café con Leche. Since our conversation, he's become the chancellor of Rancho Santiago Community College District. Now, I'm not saying that being on my podcast gets you a fancier job, but it can't hurt. So uh, today is June 4th, commencement day at East Los Angeles College. Yes, it is. And it is the final month of uh, President Marvin Martinez, who I'm here with. Yes. Uh, because you are going to be the new chancellor at Rancho Santiago uh, Community College District. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And uh, it's been six great years at East LA College, rewarding years. Uh, and so this is a new opportunity for me. So beginning July 1st, I'll be starting as the new chancellor of the Rancho Santiago Community College District. It involves two colleges that are part of that district. That's mm-hmm. Santa Ana College and Santiago Canyon College and five satellite centers where they provide training to sheriffs and firemen. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited about the opportunity. It's also been a uh, bittersweet moment to to a large degree and that the the campus uh, here, East LA College, have been very close to everyone yeah. and we've accomplished a lot. And, uh, and I think we believe that uh, we have gone from good to great. And uh, to, to, to steal from that famous book, uh, its title, but I think that it really has. The campus come, has come a long way since moving uh, from a path of being from good to great. Well, for anyone who uh, might be listening, um, that might just be my family. I'm not sure the distribution on this yet. But uh, for anyone who might be listening and and doesn't know, East Los Angeles College, or ELAC, is the largest um, of the Los Angeles community colleges Mm -hmm. um, in the the nine college district. And uh, you guys have, you've been pretty phenomenal. you're you're talked about all over the state as a model for all kinds of things. Um, you and I got to know each other over dual enrollment, yes. which you like ten percent of your student body are students who are also in high school, yes. which is that's a phenomenal amount, phenomenal yes. percentage, phenomenal total numbers. Um, but what are what are some of the other accomplishments that you're really proud of here at ELAC? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, as you know, today's our graduation day, is commencement day. Uh, we were, all the students were lined up and we, it was just an incredible number of students walked into the stadium and guess what? We ran out of chairs. <laughs> That's because, a great problem. <laughs> yes. Because we're graduating more students than we ever have. Yeah. And I think people are finally, faculty and staff are finally getting it. They're like, wow, where are all these people? Well, there's more people graduating. That's yeah. what's going on. And so we ran out of chairs. So we... Our staff, as we speak, is scrambling, calling everybody. Parties are us, wherever they need to call, in order to get more chairs because there's graduations everywhere all the time, especially now. Uh, not a lot of chairs out there left. So they're real nervous in terms of getting additional chairs. But uh, I'm sharing this with you just to give you an example kind of where we are today and that we are graduating more students than we ever have. Uh, we are uh, transferring more students than we ever have. 
just to give you some specific examples, uh, I saw today that, uh, well, in 2013, when I began as president of the campus, we issued 1,003 skill certificates. So skill certificates are for students who are in our various career technical education programs who are trying to get a very skill with one of, within one of those disciplines. Today, we are graduating nearly 2,400. Wow. So it's increased 100% from 1,003 to nearly 2,400 students who are getting career certificates. Uh, and you see similar patterns in a number of students who are getting the ADT degrees or the Associated Associate of Arts degrees or transferring or uh, getting certificates of achievement. So we, we've seen uh, tremendous increases in all those. And uh, so we are graduating more students and we, we have run out of chairs. <laughs> and I think that uh, today, you know, faculty came up to me and they said, wow, I, you know, it just makes sense now because it's not just numbers that you see on paper. You know, I think that's why today's like, today, like these are very important so people can visually see the impact. Because on paper, you go, okay, 1,003 and 2,400, oh, that's great. When you, when you saw it today, you're like, oh, my God, where these people come from? What happened? What's going on? And uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's a nice uh, a legacy to leave. And, uh, uh, and then just one more thing I wanted to share with you, which I didn't know until about a, about a couple months ago. So I, I chaired an accreditation team. Uh, and we were accrediting Orange Coast College and the other colleges in that district. So what happened was that uh, we had a reception, Orange Coast, and a, a, a staff member who happens to be a dean at that campus came up to me. And she goes, Hi, hello, President Martinez, and I want to say hello. I just wanted to tell you that I know you really well. And uh, all of us here know you really well, and my, my classmates and so forth know, me, know you really well. I'm like, Okay, who are you? So she said, look, I'm, I'm a doctoral student at Cal State Fullerton. I'm part of a cohort of about 25 students. And this year we're dedicating study, dedicated to studying East LA College. So all of us are looking at different aspects of East LA College, from what you've done to what faculty are doing to what administrators are doing to the impact on students and we were studying, you know, what happened at your campus? How did you, how did you go from, from good to great and, and what, what occurred? And uh, I just, uh, as she was talking to me about it, I was to kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, wow, we, we've done good work here. Dude. <laughs> it's hard to, you know, you never, because you're doing it when you do the work on a campus, you're just moving forward quickly. Uh, but it was nice to hear that uh, the cohort, uh, one of the cohorts at Cal State Fullerton, of 25 students who are trying to get their doctorate degrees, who one day hopefully will be college presidents, are studying East LA College as we speak. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And you're not only the the president, outgoing president now, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also the president of the college presidents uh, group, the, the CEO organization. Yes, so uh, I had, in your spare time, I know, right? <laughs> so 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 this year, you know, I've had the privilege and the honor to serve as the president of the CEO board. Uh, so what that means is that my fellow peers, my fellow colleagues, you know, selected me to lead them this year. Uh, my role is is not to just chair a meeting. I wish it was that simple. My role is to basically speak on behalf of my fellow colleagues in Sacramento. 
to whoever is making policy that's going to affect us uh, at the state level as well as the federal level. So it's been a lot of work, but it's been a way to also bring another perspective uh, as we meet with uh, many of our legislative leaders. Uh, it's been an opportunity for me to advocate on a number of issues. Uh, and uh, But I think most importantly, it's been a way for to continue to promote the campus, you know, and 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 uh, and and just to kind of share also a little story about that, you know, when I applied, uh, actually before I applied to become president of East LA College. So when the previous president left in 2011, uh, his name was Ernest Moreno, who was president of the campus for about 15, 16 years. So when he left, uh, this college had two interim presidents. I had uh, for 2012 and then 13, two, two interim presidents. So what happened was that the reason I had two interim presidents back to back was because nobody was applying. Wow. And that's because no one knew but the campus. Out of sight, out of mind. So if yeah. you don't hear about it and you don't know much about it, uh, they were getting not the best quality people in small pool. So as a result, they had an interim for two years. Uh, when I started here at East LA College, I made it an issue that that was not going to happen again. Uh, and 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 just to make a story short, uh, there's been so many inquiries that I've received, inquiries that uh, my chancellor here in LA has received of individuals who want to be president of the college. You know, a campus like this one should not be begging for someone to be their president. And campus like this one should be a place where people are dying to be president of this campus. So it's been a com complete turnaround and, and flip. Uh, and, and I'm really happy about that because what that means is that the campus will continue. There's more work to do. Uh, we are graduating more students, but is it at the level where we want to be? Oh, no, it's not. You know, we, we need to be doing even better. Uh, but it's better than where we were. So it's a start. It's a beginning. It's chapter one, I like to tell everybody. There's still more chapters to go. So uh, so a lot of good things are happening. Uh, and uh, But yeah, I, I look forward to also trying to do what I can at this other district where I'm going to be working beginning July 1st. What a fantastic legacy. And I'm sure you would say you have a huge, giant, wonderful, amazing team, and, and you do, but I think you can take a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. uh, East LA is a gem. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but you didn't start off as a college president. I mean, no. you had a journey to get to this point. So could you share with me a little bit about where you started and, and how, you, how you ended up here? Sure. So in January of this year, I completed uh, 30 years in a community college system. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So I started January 1st, 1989. And uh, I, my first job was to be the amnesty program assistant. So what's an amnesty program? Well, in 1989, um, after the uh, impact of the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, which has, you know, granted amnesty yes. to a number of uh, immigrants who were in this country undocumented. And the federal government, through that legislation, provided funds that went to adult schools and community colleges so we can help those undocumented individuals move on a pathway to citizenship. So I was hired in uh, 1989 at Cerritos College to support that program where we were helping uh, a number of immigrants 
to become uh, uh, eventually become permanent residents and become citizens. So that was my start, 1989, and uh, I was excited about that opportunity. So from there, I then uh, moved on from uh, Cerritos College where I began. I went to Santa Monica College and became a, a dean. I was uh, their first dean of business and industry, uh, or at that time, sometimes they were called deans of Volkhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason that was a big deal is because Santa Monica you know, was never known to be a CTE campus. They all saw themselves as a transfer campus. So they were trying to also really get into the areas of CTE. Uh, about three years after that, I was promoted to an associate vice president that eventually became a vice president. I stayed in Santa Monica College in the year 2007. Then in 2008, I became uh, a vice chancellor of workforce development in the LA Community College District. And then about two and a half years later, I became president of Harbor College. So I started as president of Harbor College back in 2010. I did that to around mid-2013. And then uh, in summer of 2013, I became uh, president of East LA College. And I've been here since 2013. So that's, that's my journey. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm so lucky I get to work with all of those colleges. And I'm okay. thinking, wow, today Santa Monica has a wonderful CTE division. Yeah. Um, and they have, yeah, some really innovative, exciting things going yes. on. Yes. Harbor College is 10 minutes from my house. I, I okay. get to visit them fairly often. Yeah, that's it's wonderful. It's LA really is one big giant neighborhood <laughs> in some ways. It yeah. It's very much. Very yeah. Much. Well, fantastic. Well, one of the the questions I've been wondering, and as you know, this this whole interview is um, for my own professional development, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning about leadership, okay. college leadership, nonprofit leadership. Um, and one of the things I've, I've um, gleaned from my literature review is effective leaders are always learning. So I'm wondering um, what you're learning these days. Is there somebody you're reading? Is there a podcast you're listening to? Or is there things that you're learning from the people you're surrounded by? Well, you know, it's always a little bit of everything. Uh, so no doubt uh, this past year, just my experiences in Sacramento have been a learning experience by themselves. Uh, and the reason is because today you have a legislature that is so active as it relates to creating policy for community colleges. Um, just to give you an idea, there there was this year about 500 bills uh, and 150 of I'm, those- I'm sorry, 500 500 bills? legislative bills. Wow. And 150 of those 500 bills are targeting community colleges. So no doubt we are on their radar. And uh, so a number of bills addressing from issues of uh, faculty issues to financial aid uh, to uh, issues of student homelessness. I mean, a, a number of areas. But no doubt the legislature is paying a lot more attention than they ever have. Uh, so what's our role, you know, as this is securing? Well, you know, some legislation is good. I think is it's really helpful. Uh, and some legislation is not so good. So our role has to be to, you know, so what's different today about a president than maybe 30 years ago, you know, when I began is that today a president has to be much more active uh, and you, you, you have to go to Sacramento, you, you have to lobby, you have to 
meet with legislators and present, you know, what really is going on on the campus uh, and help them shape legislation that can really help us. Because if we don't do that, then, you know, we're not going to have a role in how legislation is being developed that could, that really has an impact on us. So an example, of course, you know, we had AB 705 not too far and it's creating an incredible impact on us. You've had, of course, a new funding formula that's had an incredible impact on us. So we know legislation can really change the directions of where we're going. And and and, and I don't I don't mind that. I, I just want to make sure there's really helping students. So uh, legislators are not going to know that until we go there and, and, and participate in the legislative process. From testifying in hearings to meeting with legislators one-on-one to uh, providing them with information, literature, statistics about how we're doing. So that has changed. You know, uh, the days of us just kind of waiting and thinking everything's going to be okay no, I, I think those times have really changed. Um, so uh, that's been no doubt a new learning experience for me this year. Uh, and it requires a different type of CEO to handle that. Look, most CEOs, you know, they if you look at the way they, they've along, moved along the path to become a president, many of them, of course, went to grad schools of education. Uh, they became deans and so forth. Uh they never had to be involved politically. They never had to develop any type of political savviness at that level. Uh, they never had to really understand the whole legislative process and how that works and, and, and how we need to influence it. So again, those times have changed, you know, and, and, and uh, so in order to be an effective president today, I believe that you have to have those skill sets in order to be able to influence legislation and to ensure that legislation, when it's finally done, that it really helps us and not hamper us or create obstacles so the students can graduate in the massive numbers that I talked about earlier. Look, at the end of the day, it's about graduating more students, not less. Mm. And and uh, so, so, yeah, so a, a lot of things have changed over time. That's incredible. And you anticipated my next question was, how does that affect your leadership style, but, but you... What I hear you say is that all presidents, to be effective now, have to have an eye and a hand in what's going on in Sacramento. We can't just create our beautiful little campus communities and stay here. Well, you know, you can't just be in your ivory tower, you know, so to speak. You, you, you have to definitely get out and talk to the campus community. You, you have to have a strategy and agenda of how you're going to work externally from working with business and industry to corporate America, to working with K through 12, to uh, working with the legislature. You have to do all that. Uh, and once people know that you have that background and that skill set, it becomes part of your resume. It really does. So let, let me give you an example about that to see what, to let you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the district where I'm going to be working with, you know, they want me to do what but I've been doing here in regards to doing enrollment. So guess who they want me to meet first? They want to meet with the school board of Santa Ana Unified School District. That's fantastic. <laughs> and that's because they know that, look, this is doing enrollment is a program that can make sense. It makes sense uh, so that you can begin to create that pipeline of students who can graduate and be completers. And, and uh, so... 
that was one of the, that's one of the first meetings I'm going to have is to talk about that. So, um, you know, so I, so again, I think that the, you know, the the job responsibility of a college president continues to be dynamic. It's not stale, uh, and those CEOs who stay behind are not going to be going to be as effective as they can be. Uh, but you know, you can't just stay in your office. You can't just stay in your ivory tower. You have to go there and meet with your colleagues. Uh, we have to see our partners from K through 12 as our friends, our colleagues, our partners. Uh, we can't just point a finger at them and say, you're not sending us good students. Mm. That doesn't work. And it's not a good way to work with your fellow colleagues in K through 12. So I think that, the, you know, so much continues to change. And, uh, you know, um, one of the things I've been trying to advocate with my fellow colleagues this year is that, you know, you, you guys have to change. Guys and gals, you have to change. You, you can't just, uh, you know, the, the world does not evolve around us, you know, and, and, and we have to be active. So, Well, that, that brings me to another question um, about leadership. Mm -hmm. And this is something I've, um, I've really tried to get my brain around. Um, and that is, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, good to great. I don't know if you read uh, Daniel Pink's Drive, um, but the idea of, we're in a mission-driven um, industry. Mm -hmm. um, education, folks don't go into education in the same way that entrepreneurs do to become millionaires. We mm -hmm. go in because we, we have a, mm -hmm. a, a feeling of mission. Mm -hmm. And um, so the best folks in that really need a lot of autonomy. They need to have um, leadership that has a very hands-off sometimes approach so that they can do their best. Uh, but at the same time, we have a, a cohesive organization. So in business, they might call it your brand or um, here, you know, the, the ELAC philosophy or, or the ELAC way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So what's the, how do you find that Goldilocks zone between being a unified organization and letting folks that you hire have that autonomy so that they can do the best at what they, what we hired them for? Well, you know, uh, you're only as good as your team. So you, the most important job job that you have as a president or as a CEO is hiring. You know you have to be very strategic as to the type of individuals that you hire, uh, and uh, you know I, for example, as we were creating our dual enrollment program, I realized that I had to hire individuals who also know the world of K through twelve, and had good experiences there and were respected in their profession when they were working in K through 12. Uh, and we've been able to bring those individuals and they've made a difference because they have informed us about things that there's no way I could have known. I've, I haven't spent one day in K through 12 ever at a school district. So, so, uh, so you have to be very, very strategic and very careful in the people that you hire uh, because you're going to be delegating that work. You know, when you're a president, you got so many things on your plate, you, you can't do it all. So you have to hire. You have to hire smartly. You have to be able to delegate. You have to entrust in them that to, to take the program to new heights. What that means is that you have to know that people are going to make mistakes, and that's okay. You know, um, so uh, because, you know, I always like to say that when I hire someone, I'm training them to be leaders. and uh, And I know that when they... Uh, are done, they will go on to be college presidents one day. 
you know, uh, you know, for example, I'm sure you know Miguel Duenas. So Miguel. An amazing, inspirational man. Amazing. And he is now getting his doctorate at USC. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And uh, he just, it's, a, it's a distance education program that, that through you at the School of Education at USC. Uh, so I know he's on his way. I know that one day he will be a really tremendous college president. So, you know, uh, in, in the reason I think that's important that you, 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 you hire those type of individuals is that I, I like to hire people that are going to think outside the box. You know, they're not going to be traditional people. I don't need any more paper pushers. <laughs> I don't need any more technocrats. I have plenty of those in, in my college. I, I need to hire individuals that don't even know there's a box there. Don't even know the traditions and traits and characteristics that we have in higher education or in a bureaucracy. So I do hire a lot of people like that because I believe that a lot of the work that we're doing is untraditional. And it requires just a different mind frame. It requires someone who will definitely just look at uh, uh, resolving things from a whole different perspective. Uh, Miguel and others that work with him certainly do that. Uh, but also what makes him also just as effective is that he has a lot of credibility within K-12. Uh, and so much credibility where they see him as part of them. Like, oh, he's one of us. He's, he was, he's part of our team. And, but they don't realize, oh, he works for East LA College. That's okay. He's part of our team. You know, so, so it's, it's a whole different mind frame. And as a result, I think we've made so much progress in a, such a short amount of time. Well, that, that cross-institutional partnership, I mean, it seems that's the way of the future. Right, right, right. And then to make it even better, to you know, put icing on the cake, uh, when you bring someone completely from the outside, from a whole different system, he didn't know what the boxes that we have here. So he, and I didn't want to tell him about it. <laughs> so he was able to just be able to make things happen a lot faster without being held up by our customs and cultures and traditions that make, that make up higher education. It's about 12. Yeah. And I'd love to, if you still have time, ask you some rapid fire questions. Yeah, of course. And then one kind of fun question to end with. Okay, so these are rapid fire. Yep. Don't think too much about them. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> Do you put sugar in milk? Of course, yeah. Okay. I, I can't trick it is just it, straight up. I just can't. Is it café con leche or leche con café? Uh, leche con café. Yeah, me good, too. Good, good, good question. <laughs> Let me think. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. Oh, Rolling Stones. A, a man after my own heart. <laughs> Favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla. Oh, interesting. Do you put toppings yes. on it? What do you put on it? Uh, from nuts to uh, to um, chocolate or fudge or strawberries or other fresh fruit. Uh, just, I think the reason I like vanilla is because I can really get creative with it. That's excellent. My, my mother puts a scoop of vanilla ice cream in her coffee. <laughs> oh, I'm going to try that. No, that's a good idea. That's not... Don't make fun of that. <laughs> That's good. a good idea. It's good. Uh, what What's the best one hundred dollars you ever spent, uh, uh, or less? One hundred dollars. Probably the best one hundred dollars I ever spent was uh, when I bought my first uh, books when I went to UCLA. So uh, remember, I started UCLA in nineteen eighty two. When books were not a hundred bucks, right? <laughs> the yeah. books were like twenty five bucks, and they were wow. thirty bucks. And uh, my dad gave me a hundred bucks. You know, you know, at that time it was a lot of money. 
And, uh, you know, I had not received yet my financial aid check. I was still waiting for it. And uh, I had $100. Of course, you're 18 years old. You get $100. You go to UCLA. You're in the dorms. You want to spend $100 somewhere else, right? <laughs> not textbooks. But I'm glad I did that because I had my textbooks and I was able to start the first day of school ready to go. And, uh, you know, and, and to me, I always tell that story to a lot of students on a campus and tell them that, that, look, eventually all of us have to mature. All of us eventually have to be responsible. And we have to been, begin to prioritize, you know, where we want our lives to move towards. And uh, it sounds like something that's small, but, you know, I could have easily spent that money partying with my friends. I could have easily spent that money going to the movies. I could have easily spent that money going to in and out Burger, whatever. Uh, but I decided not to, and I decided to save it so I could buy my textbooks. And, uh, I, you know, that was part of my maturity. It's part of me saying, you know what? I, I got to get serious. I got to move uh, along a different path now. Um, so, again, just reflecting back on that, uh, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad you did, too. Well, to go from the responsible uh, to, not, I don't want to say it's irresponsible, but we have a lot of talk about self-care these days. Yeah. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? I love to travel, but as you know, it's expensive. <laughs> it is. It's up all your money, but uh, I do. You know, my the first time I ever traveled was when I graduated and received my bachelor's degree. I still had some financial aid money left. Uh, and I always been very good about saving, but anyways, I saved some money because I wanted to go to Europe. So what I did is I, uh, bought myself a plane ticket. I bought myself the Eurorail pass so I can go throughout Europe on a train. I got my backpack and I went off. And, uh, since then I just love to travel. And what I love about it is just meeting people getting to uh, understand how our world functions and how people think. I remember, uh, and I was like 21 years old, and I went to some small village in Italy, and I was just curious. I was on a train, and I got off a stop, and I saw this village on top of this like hill and a big, big wall around it, like a big fort, because a lot of the cities there, you know, in that, that part of Italy were built in medieval times, and they built their 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 uh, homes on top of the highest hill you can, so you can see the enemy coming. And uh, so I went there, and uh, I had some great conversations with the people that were living in that little village. And probably the most conversation I had with them was that, you know, they, uh, they would ask me, you know, so tell us about you, you know, what do you do? And, and so obviously I would, talk about work and talk about school. And then they looked at me and they go, well, but who are you? Tell us about yourself. I go, well, you know, I work, well, you know, what's the problem with you Americans? You guys define yourselves by where you work. That's not who you are, tell us who you are. And it was probably the most important things I ever heard in my life, you know, so that you could really find who you are. I believe that's really important because that sets the foundation to what you're going to be in whatever career that you choose in your life. Uh, because, you know, when you work with people, people need to see what you stand for. Uh, you know, uh, what is it that you like to do? What drives you? Uh, tell, you know, they want to they wanna work with someone that, that's authentic, uh, that's not fake, 
you know. Um, so a lot of that comes from those initial trips that I took, you know, and just individuals out of nowhere in a little village north of Florence uh, just asking me, you know, who are you? And and, uh, and we don't want to hear where you got your degrees from. That doesn't say who you are. Who are you? What do you, what do you like to do? What kind of people do you like? What, what, what do you, how do you hope to help people in this world? I mean, it was just incredible discussions. And, uh, and of course, they love talking about love and soccer, and you got to know those subjects well <laughs> if you're going to go to Italy, and uh, especially soccer. You got to know your soccer. So, uh, so anyways, I think that uh, that's been my guilty pleasure. And it's guilty because it is so expensive to travel. It's not cheap. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, it's something that uh, has really helped me develop uh, just as a person. not and, and, and also, to it's been the foundation for me as I pursue my different career paths. President Martinez, soon-to-be Chancellor Martinez, thank you so much. This is wonderful. Uh, thank you for your time. And... Um, I really look forward to listening to this over and over again. I've learned quite a lot. Well, there you go. Hire people who don't even know there's a box to think outside of. Talk to legislators. Travel humbly. And drink leche con café. The books mentioned by Chancellor Martinez and other cool tidbits are in the show notes. You can also check out the transcripts. You can find everything at castropod.com. Castropod.com.